Hello, and welcome to the SEO SAS podcast, where your hosts are myself, Sarah McDowell, SEO specialist at LikeMind Media, and the wonderful and just amazing, I'm really, we normally go to town on adjectives here, but for some reason my mind has gone blank, but you're just amazing, Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Holland and Barrett. Why are we called SEO SAS? Well, we like to think ourselves as the special answering service when it comes to SEO. Quite frankly, we are nerds on the subject and we love nothing more than debating SEO. So we get stuck into topics and debates, we answer questions, we find out what's trending in the industry and uh, we just sort of have a good chinwag about it. This show is brought to you by the team at LikeMind Media. Like My Media help clients find their audience and start having conversations with them, whether that's on social media, content, or even podcasts, just like this one. We're actually using their podcasting equipment right now. They're super lovely people who take time to understand your business and think like Aww. you. Thanks, Hannah. Just wanted to give you guys a quick heads up that we've set ourselves up on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that supports projects just like our podcast. So for £5 a month, you can become a premium member of the SEO SAS podcast and receive additional benefits such as bonus episodes. You'll be the first to know about episodes, events, anything that we're up to. You'll also get access to bonus episodes plus more. So If that sounds like your kind of thing and you want to get involved, you have two options. You can visit www.patreon, spelt P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash SEO SAS podcast, or you can go to www.patreon.com and then in the find a creator search bar, search for SEO SAS and we'll come up. So we look forward to you guys becoming a member and enjoying those additional benefits, but we just want to quickly say thank you so much to everyone who supports our podcast. So thank you for listening, for sharing our episodes, for leaving lovely reviews and feedback, for guests that come on and chat with us. We just want to say thank you for supporting us as we couldn't do this without you guys. So yes, take care everyone. Good morning, Hannah. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I fluffed up adjectives, and I, of uh, introducing you. It's been a while. I think maybe you've forgotten what I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a very long time, a very long time. But yeah. I, think, I think, yeah, the pressure got to me, and I, my mind just went blank of words. Be honest, it's that thing that I always wish I'd just prepared for. I might just get a, yeah, like a thesaurus up ready for the next time I introduce you. Okay, yes. I mean, I would do that, but I'd end up like saying words I don't really understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a fair point. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> How's the uh, third week of Holland and Barrett going? Uh, it's fourth week, believe it or not. Oh, fourth week. Yeah, I've been there four weeks now, which is good because it means it's payday. <laughs> Way Happy days. <laughs> yeah, but all good. It's, it's pretty awesome so far. Oh, do you feel like you're sort of settled in now? Yeah, definitely. I feel like I'm part of the woodwork already. <laughs> <laughs> so 
suppose it helps that I'm at home. So technically, I am part of the woodwork here. But oh uh, yes, still, yeah. still during lockdown, aren't we? Yeah, it's quite nice. I've, yeah, I've, I've kind of got used to working from home now. How about you? Yes, I. Well, it's sort of been a bit of a roller coaster of emotions, really, hasn't it? Because when you first get told that you work from home, it's like, yes, I can like be in my pajamas all day. I'm working from home. This is really cool. Then the novelty wears off, and then. And yeah, so, but then get into the habit and you sort of learn how best to work from home. So it's yeah, a bit of, I don't know, a bit of a roller coaster, really, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think I'm still learning in a way. It's kind of, it's, it, I've, I've moved to an actual space at the house now where I can leave my work rather than kind of have it there 24 seven because that, that wasn't helping me. <laughs> yeah. When working from home, it is very easy just to do, oh, I'll just do that one more thing before I stop. And then before you know, it's six o'clock and you've been working since eight <laughs> yeah exactly right I'll let you introduce our exciting news for today yes exciting news so today we are speaking to the lovely and wonderful Beth Nunnington PR director at Journey Further Beth is going to speak to us about how Google is getting more intelligent and so should your PR be hello Beth hi guys thanks for having me on yeah you're very welcome thank you for joining us how are you finding working from home to be honest, I'm, I've never been a fan of working from home. We've always had loads of flexibility at Journey Further to work pretty much wherever we want to, but I've always chose to work in the office. But seven weeks in, I think it's becoming, finding it easier than I did at the beginning. And I've been yeah. really busy this week, which has massively helped. So yeah, I think like keeping busy and we're still doing like lots of hangouts with, with everyone at work and, and we're still keeping up with initiatives. So yeah, it's, it's not been too bad. Yeah, I know what you mean though. You miss people after a while, don't you? Yeah, it's just the, that being in an office and like having that like buzz of like everyone around you. Nothing beats a bit of human interaction and like a bit of office banter, office gossip is there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do miss everyone, but fingers crossed it's not going to be too much longer. Fingers yeah. Crossed. Well, I guess that you're actually also really missing biscuits because on the Journey Further website, the team page says a bunch of super talented dreamers, doers and biscuit lovers. So to kick off, we'd like to do a quick biscuit higher or lower in terms of preference. Does that sound okay? Yeah, that sounds good. Amazing. So number one, jammy dodgers or hobnobs? I'm going to have to say hobnobs even though I've I've worked with jammy dodgers before, but don't tell them. (laughs) (laughs) Custard creams or bourbons? Oh, do you know what? I don't really like it either, so creams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, picky biscuits. Tunnocks or Kit Kats? Kit Kats. Oreos or chocolate digestives? Oreos. Yeah. Fig rolls or Garibaldi's? Garibaldi's. Yeah. And finally, is a Jaffa cake a biscuit or a cake? That's a tricky one. I, I think it's a cake. Well, it's more cake than biscuit, in my opinion. Yeah, I reckon it's a cake, but you eat them like biscuits. Yeah, and they're on the biscuit aisle, so it's a bit confusing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When you asked about jammy dodgers or hobnobs, I think, is there anything on top of the hobnobs here? Is it a chocolate hobnob or is it just a plain hobnob as they come? Well, the question's just plain, I think, so yeah. See, I I, when it comes to biscuits, you've always got to have a bit of chocolate or a bit of topping on, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. That actually made I didn't really think about that because I was assuming chocolate hobnobs because that's my favourite. So maybe <laughs> mm. <laughs> is a biscuit really a biscuit if there's no topping on top? Well, if you're talking to a vegan, you take whatever oh. you can get. So yeah, 
it's, it's Oreos and bourbons all the way. <laughs> awesome. Right. I feel like we know you a bit more, Beth, with your biscuits and what you prefer. So I think we should get into a bit of SEO talk now. So we got you on to talk about how Google is more intelligent in 2020, as we know that you have some awesome views on this. So to kick things off, can you give us a couple of examples of how Google's measuring up when it comes to PR? Yeah, of course. And I think that's a really great question. It's a hard one because Google doesn't give loads of things away. But we know as part of the um, the BERT update, I think it was, that they confirmed they're using natural language processing to better understand content as a whole. So we believe that Google's trying to understand a website as an online entity. So therefore, it's likely that they're analyzing all mentions of brand online. So whether or not that's links or potentially citations. Now, there's no concrete evidence yet that says that Google is looking at citations. But if it's looking at content as a whole, then arguably, it should be taking those into consideration. We don't know for sure in terms of like PR and links, but as a result of that and their ability to use machine learning to understand language better, then it's going to be, from a coverage perspective, it's likely that they'll be looking at the wider context of that article. So the themes and the topics that are talked about within coverage, how relevant that piece of content is in it, to the brand itself and also that publication. And so therefore, it would make sense for it also to understand things like sentiment, how interesting that would be to the target user. So... Fundamentally, because, I mean, Google's always been quite intelligent, but it said so itself, you know, they're trying really hard to understand it as if they were a human. And so surely as part of that, they're going to be taking in as much background information that they can in order to make sure that the results that they're putting in front of the end user are the best and most useful that they can be. Yeah, because at the end of the day, that is Google's end goal, isn't it? They want to provide the most relevant and quality results that it can to the user. Yeah, exactly. And Google, you know, it is the best search engine out there and it wants to keep that. So it's constantly working hard to make sure that it's putting out the best content. And really, it's Yeah, it's just, I think the use of machine learning now is going to see like just Google understanding things so much clearer, if not now in the future, at least. Mm. I really, really love that answer. I think that's, um, that's a pretty amazing answer, just that one question. So just to pick you up on a couple of bits from that then. So... When it comes to sentiment and, like you say, mentions and things like that, a lot, a lot of people in SEO will primarily be focusing on the links. Do you think people are missing a trick by just focusing on links? Yeah, so anyone who knows me knows how I am such a firm believer in, the, in PR as a, as a channel for marketing. So my background is more traditional PR. And I think that's really helped me understand the importance of basically all the benefits that it can deliver for a brand. So if you're just focusing on using PR as a way to build links, then you're missing out on all the other great benefits, such as, you know, if you get a great piece of editorial piece of coverage, then that ultimately is third party validation to that potential customer because it's increasing that brand advocacy. It's that trust, it's that brand awareness. And we sort of, rather than say that we do digital PR, you might have seen on, on my Twitter and things, we all, I often try and say that we do performance PR because our client might have an end objective of increasing, obviously, you know, search rankings, organic growth, but there's so much other things that you can do. So 
for example, if we're working with a travel client um, and their main objective is to build organic growth, then of course we'll be going after all those online titles and making sure we're getting links. But then if we also know that their audience is reading the Sunday Times travel magazine every weekend, then why would we not also make sure that we're sharing content with, with that print title as well? And I think I've seen before, like when we've had campaigns that have, have gone really big, and they've been covered, you know, they've been shared all over social media, they've been covered on broadcast, on TV and radio, then naturally, although that's not driving any link juice, um, <laughs> a better word, it's that noise and that buzz and engagement that then automatically drives brand searches, which is another potential signal to Google that this is a brand that they need to be taking note of. So another thing as well is when we're doing a great piece, when we're trying to obviously get PR content and coverage out there, then it's also about amplifying that piece of content. And yep. I think if you've literally just, just done a campaign with the end goal of just getting a link and you've not really thought about that brand's key messages or the real true story they're trying to tell, then that's not really a piece of content that you'd want to amplify and put out there to your in-market audience because you'd have just created that piece just to get links. But if that piece of coverage not only has a link, it's got product imagery in there, it's got great call to action, then you can use that content and, and put paid social behind it or you can cover it with display adverts and it's just making that piece of content work so much harder if you take more of a cross-channel approach um, hmm. about it in other ways. That makes I, love that. I think that's a really key point as well because when you are putting together content and it's good content that you're putting together then you're going to be spending time planning putting it all together writing it and and all that jazz and I do think some people miss the trick of getting the most that they can out of that content so it's that joint approach again isn't it it's that whole you're doing something why aren't you trying to get it over every channel you can otherwise is it is it really that worthwhile doing Exactly. Exactly. And there's always like you can you can get so much more out of this piece of content if you just put put the effort in. Beth, are you feeling that you could have a bit of a rant? <laughs> Being cute inside for weeks could uh, help. Well, as you probably well, people who listen to this podcast know that we do like to have a rant from time to time. So we thought a good sort of rant would be and it doesn't have to be a rant um it's more educational isn't it what's your biggest bugbear when it comes to link building or link builders i think again well from working in agencies before and also like i I don't think this is much of a thing anymore to be honest but i've been really i do get frustrated when i see brands or i hear of brands spending so much money on a really flashy, fancy piece of on-site content that's designed, you know, to build links to. And I know from, you know, working in agencies before that obviously these interactive tools cost a lot of money and they take so much time to build from a development perspective. And then they're a nightmare for for clients to host once they once they have them because their file's so huge. And then there's a lot of pressure to then get links off the back of it. And I think if you compare how much they might have spent on that piece of content, there's a lot of links and, and coverage and results that you've got to then generate off the back of it. When really you can you can use other ways of, of getting the same results for a lot of investment. And it does frustrate me when I see things that are just not relevant to what that client does. A bit like what I was saying before. They, it might The on-site content might be really cool and it'll be beautiful and you'll be like, wow, that's really great. But then it's about well, why was that created? What is that actually going to achieve? Mm. What's that doing? And 
I just think I just sometimes I look at this and think oh gosh that client must have spent so much money on that and it's not achieved anything so yeah I would say like creating big pieces of on-site content assets that are just not necessary and, and using up loads of budget I just find painful sometimes you don't need to do that you don't need to have invested all that money and all that time to necessarily I mean I'm not saying that sometimes like on-site content does cost a lot of money but actually it's a great idea and it's really relevant to what that client does so that's okay it's just more of things you can think that someone just wanted to do it because they thought it was cool or look good it's not about how it looks it's about why you've created that and the strategy behind it results you want results yes <laughs> Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think when we're talking about different approaches to link building, there are so many. One of them actually that we wanted to just touch on and ask you about was programmatic because, I mean, Journey Further are a performance marketing agency and programmatic comes up in the services you provide. And it's also something spoken about a lot at like Brighton SEO and, and other events like that. So could you just explain to our listeners what that actually means and why it's such a big thing? Yeah, so actually we're moving away from the term programmatic. I think it's a bit of a murky confusing word so what it means is programmatic is essentially the use of software to automate the purchasing of advertising now that can be anything from display adverts so you know those adverts once you've gone on a website but then chase you around the internet yep. um, being retargeted that's a display advert or when you're you know you, you might be on a an online publication and you're reading and then there's adverts down the side or um, from a video ad for example that could suddenly start playing as you're reading an article or you might see it on paid social media or, or YouTube. So it's basically adverts. But why I think it's becoming quite a big thing is because you can be super targeted with it. So it's crazy how targeted you can be. You can not only, it's not just things like gender, age, location. It's, we could target someone who's got hay fever, for example, or if they bought a first class plane ticket in their lives. You can, there's so much data that gets given back. Um, so it's powerful in that way. I think from a, what's interesting from a digital PR perspective is that you can then use that data to inform your strategy. So I've never come across this before until I was working with like the teams at Journey Further. And ultimately, if you run a, a display campaign, you will get what's called a placement report. So this is ultimately a list of publications that show how many impressions were served from that advert on that site. And this is really useful because you can use it to inform your outreach list. So, because you can see the top publications where those adverts were performing the best. So we can say to a client, you know, we can use tools like Ahrefs to obviously look at competitor analysis and, and look at creating outreach lists that way. But we can also then layer that with the play data to say, well, actually, these should be your top 10 sites that we're outreaching to because that's where your in-market audience is visiting after we on your website. Awesome. Which is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, yeah, that is really cool. Really good explanation. Thank you. So I suppose you've touched on my next question. And because mm -hmm. what, what I want to sort of ask you is what your sort of advice and tips would be to get a publications website owner's attention. So you, you've sort of said about like using data to sort of understand your audience and then making sure that you're targeting the right people that will cover that. But is there anything else? Yeah, so I think it's easy to forget that journalists and obviously publications really care about SEO as well and so if you can provide them with um, I've heard it being described as like sticky content so if you can create maybe an embeddable asset that the journalist can put 
in so it's not just about thinking about the content that's on your site it's about thinking about the assets that you can provide a journalist to embed within their article and sort of encourage people to stay on their pages because they are targeted on traffic and bounce rate as well and the longer that they can keep people on on their news pages and their articles the better that is for them so if you can and I think it's about making sure that that asset then is not very branded or it's it's tried to be created within a similar style of that publication or sometimes it's just about providing the journalists with some imagery that they can create their own video content mm. back up and then as well my other tip would be to try and think about how to make the story emotive and human interest so the reason that I think you've probably seen a lot of the, the dream job concept campaigns we've done a few of them and, and the reason that they do so well is because they sort of incite a feeling of like longing and people want to get involved and they get excited and they're really shareable so if you can have an idea that has that human interest element and it would be something that you'd want to tag your friends in that's going to be something that the journalists are probably more likely to cover yeah I suppose you've always got to ask the question can you imagine people getting excited to share this with friends and family like in in their whatsapp chat or when they're when lockdown is over and we're sat in the pub it's like what are people going to share and if it's not like emotive and it's not exciting then it's it's not going to have the desired effects is it yeah exactly and, and one of my favorite moments was when we did a, we did a Yorkshire pudding taste test campaign oh where was my invitation <laughs> <laughs> well I know and it was for it, it was Leeds Focus and someone one of my friends actually sent this to me saying blatantly PR but would love to be part of this how good is this and I was like yeah that's um, my campaign <laughs> Oh, it was funny because obviously people were seeing it and people were like, oh, that's really great. And you're like, oh, that's nice to know that people think it's good. <laughs> We've also got a bit of a technical approach to linking, really, in general. So Journey Feather have got their own script for reviewing client profiles, I, I believe. Can you give us some more information about that? So why it was created and how it's used? It sounds, um, it sounds a bit different. Yeah, so... Our SEO director, Steve Walker, he always gets embarrassed when I say this. He is genius. So links, despite everything that I, I have said, links are still seen as one of the most powerful ranking factors. You know, there's, I'm not arguing against that. Um, but today, I think when you've been looking at link analysis, it's just been really focused around volume of links and sort of in terms of looking at authority metrics that have been provided from like Mars or domain rankings, things like that. And it was really difficult the SEO team finding it quite difficult to get reliable data around the relevancy of links. So using the IBM Watson API, Steve created, we've created this proprietary text, so it's a script, and it allows us to bulk upload our client's entire backlink profile. And then we, we run the script, and then basically the analysis of the back of that shows us how a robot or a search engine would be viewing the client's backlink profile. So this is really useful in looking at gaps um, within the content. So for example, we've had a travel client and when we run that analysis, we've spotted that in Google's eyes, they don't look that relevant for countries such as Spain or Croatia. So then we created PR content off the back of that. And we did it recently for a new home interiors client. They've not really done any SEO work for a long time. And we've just got, I think it was only, it's been like six or seven pieces in the last two weeks just you know straightforward home interiors tactical pieces of content and their rankings have already increased because it's been so relevant and it's really exciting and we are we are putting together some case studies which you know I will share with you guys once we've done it but yeah we just created it because there wasn't anything out there that wasn't really manual and time intensive 
that's awesome. That sounds really cool. Yeah, and I like the idea of if something's not out there and you've got the resources and the skills, just go out and build it yourself. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah are. I mean, I couldn't do it. They are. <laughs> they're really clever. <laughs> If I ever got, like, I don't know, like, obviously people are getting furloughed and stuff. So I always wonder, like, if I got furloughed, you get furloughed for about three weeks, don't you? So I would want to try and become like a code whiz kid. Not that I think you could in three weeks, but yeah. Cool. So talking about things that you've created, you've also done a How to Drive Performance CPR video series now we will link to this in the show notes and anything else that you want us to link out to the show notes let us know Beth but could you talk to us about the video series yeah so I've been creating these videos nearly a year now and to be honest I haven't done one for a while from working from home I did do one selfie one but it it just felt a bit close up (laughs) yeah so I created this really in order to help people with um, sort of hints and tricks to help them better their PR strategies and they're aimed at both brands and agencies and I do sometimes get asked why do I share my secrets but I don't think they're really secrets to be honest I think it's just about sharing and being collaborative and and trying to better the industry because obviously the better we can be then the better it's going to be for us all. So yeah, it, it's just, it was just started to really, I think again, I had some frustrations. I generally believe that PR shouldn't just be about links. It should be about driving performance. And I wanted to put some content together to hopefully show people evidence to back that up. Brilliant. Can you share a couple of the tips that you mentioned with our listeners? Yeah, so I suppose it's anything from the data sources you can use to um, inform your outreach list how to come up with creative ideas, what to do if you've sold in a story and it's not got any coverage. I'm trying to think uh, how to come up with like, you know, different ideas. Um, yeah, just pretty much try. It's basically everything I wish I'd known before I started in PR. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds like a really cool, like crash course for everybody. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I would love <laughs> feedback. Uh, if anyone wants to give me any, then I would always appreciate that. <laughs> Right, so looking at the time, probably got questions for a couple more, but obviously we've got to leave time for the future is, you know, like that's the whole reason you agreed to come on the podcast, right, Beth? It is. (laughs) (laughs) We had a brief talk about future before we came on and um, I was saying that I don't even know what the future is yet. So Hannah has the power as it, as it were. <laughs> All right. So when it comes to driving performance in PR, what would you suggest should be the main things to measure and look at? Good question. I think it depends on the client's strategy and their main objectives. We've started to define metrics as micro or macro. So from a micro perspective, that's things like, you know, number of pieces of coverage, links, referral traffic, but also things like product imagery, call to actions, spokesperson's quote, for example. So it's like those smaller metrics. But then we work with the SEO team, obviously, to look at more macro ones. So that's the organic growth, it's the rankings, the traffic, conversions. And if we are working with this paid social team or programmatic um, and looking at display, then obviously we can report on those as well. So if we've, if we've driven, if we've done a paid social advert with coverage, we can then monitor how much, how many conversions were off the back of that. So it really depends on the strategy and all the different channels that you're using. But 
fundamentally we're trying to split it out into micrometrics and more macrometrics because obviously at the end of the day the, the client wants to know well how is this impacted on my sales and conversions um, and mm-hmm. it's not always that easy to track but if you're at least looking at it as a whole yeah um, you can sometimes identify um trends and and you can make assumptions. And I suppose as well, what you're sort of reporting back on and the measurements, they sort of have to sort of show how they are helping towards the business's end goal. And because at the end of the day, that is the reason that you're doing this, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. It, it does come down to the hard metrics such as sales and conversions. That's amazing. So that, I think that's really cool because it stops people from thinking that PRs are a vanity metric or a fluffy channel. Exactly. If you're using data and using a cross-channel approach, then then actually PR can drive performance. It's not just about putting out content out there just to get a brand name, brand mention. I reckon, Hannah, we've probably got time for one more question each. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm thinking. I, I feel like I want to. I want this one to count. <laughs> Okay, so you've been working in the industry for the PR industry for some years. So who inspires you today? Oh, you're not going to like my answer because it's a bit of a cop out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have to say the people that I work with, because I sometimes sit and look around when I'm listening to them and thinking, oh my gosh, like how did I get to work with such clever people um, and I think as well like our, I have to say our, our CEO Robin Skidmore and our MD um, Matt they're just brilliant and they're very different but you know throughout this whole pandemic as well they've been so transparent they've been shown such strong leadership they're just brilliant so yeah I have to say and my own team as well like some of, one of the advice the great piece of advice Robin gave me when um, we started Journey Further I mean I, I used to work with him previously as well but he said to me look you should never be when you're looking at your team you should never be like the smartest the person in the room or the best person at PR in the room you need to be hiring people who are better than you oh, I love that yeah and I look at my team and I think do you know what they're just brilliant and oh that's so nice <laughs> sorry if that's a bit of a cheesy no, we love cheese I absolutely I really well, enjoyed that yeah Hannah is a vegan so it would have to be vegan cheese <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> Journey Feather also does a podcast doesn't it so What's that about? Why should people give that a listen? Yeah, it's great. Um, obviously, I would say that. But it's not just about <laughs> marketing. Um, so we have a whole range of interesting people um, from like marketers to authors because we also have a book club. So we often get um, the authors of the books that we read on there. And the main theme is what's the wrong that you want to write? Um, awesome. And uh, it's all about practical, useful advice that people can implement. So I would definitely recommend having a listen. Well, we shall link to the podcast in the show notes and then uh, people can easily find it. Thank you very much. It's now time, isn't it, Hannah? Yeah, yeah. Time for the feature. Are you ready? I mean, I'm ready if Beth is ready. I'm, I'm ready. Okay, awesome. So we've got eight questions and... Basically, what I want you to do is tell me whether it's a real or fake headline. Okay. okay. So, sorry, this is good. This is from <laughs> www.joe.co.uk from an article called 21 Local News Headlines That Totally Nail Life in Britain. Awesome. <laughs> I do feel like Beth is going to do much better. <laughs> well, we, wait. <laughs> they are completely random. So, uh, we'll let Beth go first. Of course. So, <laughs> number one. 
delight as man grows banana in garden. I've got to say whether that's true or false. Yeah. True. Sarah? Can you say, I know you probably hate me when I always ask you to repeat the question, but can you just <laughs> no, it's fine. repeat the headline, please? Delight as man grows banana in garden. <laughs> um, can you do? No, I, th- I don't think you can grow a banana. We're not hot enough in the UK. That's why it was delightful. That one was true. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one. Sarah, you can go first on this one. Cereal shoelace eater targets soft play. oh um i mean people eat weird stuff don't they they really Um, do because i hear so many like pregnancy stories where someone's got pregnant and wants and is eating some weird and wonderful stuff um go on why not true awesome beth i'm gonna say true too because i just know what people can be like (laughs) i was was (laughs) good I thought you were going to say, because I eat shoelaces. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm afraid I made that one up. So uh, okay. zero point. Next one, Beth goes first. Drunken man threw crisps in dry cleaners and shook fists in bakers. And, sh- and sh- say that again, please. So drunken man threw crisps in dry cleaners and shook fists in bakers. <laughs> um, true. Sarah? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Beth. People are angry at this time, so yes. I mean, also, what a lovely place if that makes the headlines. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that, that is the criminal activity yeah. that happens. I mean, I kind of want to live there, yeah. You're safe, aren't you? I mean, I'd be quite happy if some drugs start throwing crisps at me. That'd be quite nice, yeah. I love your crisps. I mean, it depends, doesn't it? Like, I, you wouldn't want ready salted. They're a bit boring. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that one was true, so well done. So next one, Sarah first yeah avocado are you ready yes it's so hard not being able i know to i miss you um avocado shortage blamed on couple with green fetish <laughs> oh my days how many times have i said true and false because <laughs> this is only number four i'm not telling you that yet oh uh, okay i mean why not you can have a you can have fetish fetishes over all manner of different things so go on yeah. go on go on and with all the hoarding going on recently <laughs> <laughs> beth what do you think oh, it's tricky i was gonna say no that's my gut feeling okay you're going with no that true isn't i mean false <laughs> false okay yeah that's definitely false ah, i'm doing <laughs> sorry beth you go first on this one Mm -hmm. biscuits blamed for obesity crisis yeah i would say that could be easily be a headline sarah yeah because you can easily sink a whole packet of biscuits in one city (laughs) (laughs) i'm afraid that one was made up oh hannah i know i know it's just my obesity crisis that it causes (laughs) I mean, I was just going to say, how many packets of Oreos have you sunken? Well, not enough because they've all run out. Like, I just haven't got any. Yeah. Sad times. If anybody wants to send me some, that'd be really nice. (laughs) 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 Okay, Sarah, your turn. Turtle saves cat in garden pond. Oh, a turtle saves a cat. I mean, yes, because you could, uh, getting into the logistics of this, right? Um. (laughs) It could like swim up to the cat in distress, couldn't it? And like act as like a 
like a, a board thing to get it to yeah. the side. So, yes, why not? We need some positivity and about like um, animals saving each other. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Beth? Yeah, I agree. I had the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> you both beat suckers because that was false. Oh! It's just because we want it to be true. I know, I know. This was, this was quite hard because it was kind of like, I want to make up ones that are good but at the same time believable so have i got one right yet yes drunken man through christian dry cleaners and shook fist in bakers okay and how many has beth got right beth has got three right oh show off beth is in the lead (laughs) okay i think this is yeah this is beth's turn panic as man burns crumpets these ones are actually the false ones this is a trick question True. No, I reckon from a local story, though, if they're running out of news, that could be true. <laughs> See, what, what I'm thinking is, is this man Hannah's husband, Dom, and did he have a crisis because he burnt some crumpet? I'm just thinking of ha- how Hannah would come up with these. And I well, could imagine a crisis in the Bryce household over burnt crumpets. <laughs> uh, false. Oh, that one was true. Oh, flip off. <laughs> Dom never gets panicked about anything. This is true, right? I know. I just, well, lockdown is affecting people, isn't it? In different ways. So I thought maybe this has got to Dom and the crumpet was the icing on the cake. Okay, last chance, Sarah. This is your turn first. Neighbour fined for listening to Elton John. I mean, you won't get fined for listening to Elton John, but maybe they didn't have a licence. So, yes, let's go for it. Excellent. And Beth? I'm going to say it's true because I was just imagining the rest of the story was maybe they were having a, a big party and they had the music really loud during lockdown. Yes, this is true. Well, this one, because it was like 21 local news headlines that totally nail life in Britain. I put this one in because I was like, this is totally nailing life in Britain because of Elton John. So yeah, that one was true. And Sarah, you finally got a point. <laughs> this, that's my second point. Oh, sorry. Second point. <laughs> don't, don't take a point away from me. <laughs> And Beth, you got five. Congratulations, you are today's winner. Thank you. Um, Sarah, your forfeit is to eat as many biscuits today as you possibly can. <laughs> oh, God. Don't, but I know that I've got a packet and a half of dark digestives. They've all got to go, I'm afraid. All of them today. <laughs> Curse will not be happy. <laughs> well, that was a wonderful chit-chat and quiz. Did you have fun, Beth? Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. We've really enjoyed chatting to you. It's been really insightful as well. Yes, it's been wonderful to pick your brains. And I think this one is really valuable for our audience. So thank you very much. If people want to get in touch with you, well, obviously you like link to bits and bobs that we've spoken about, but where are you on social and, and stuff? So I'm, I'm pretty active on Twitter. So my handle is just Beth Nunnington and then LinkedIn as well. Um, I post a lot of the the video content and things we've been talking about on there so if you are interested then please feel free to connect with me lovely hannah would you like to do our admin uh, absolutely of course i would it, so you can email us at hello at seoseaspodcast.com we're also on twitter seo underscore ses or sarah mcduck or seoses hannah and linkedin we're also on there too and I would just like to ask, if you do like our podcast, please do subscribe because if we have more subscribers than people, well, not people, but the podcast playing platforms know that we're a popular one. So it gets into other people's noses. And if you would 
be ever so kind to give us a review. That would also put a big smile on both mine and Hannah's faces. It would. Um, <laughs> so yes, right. Shall we all say goodbye? Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> mm-hmm.